Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love to us. We thank you for your direction in our lives and your blessing, your supply. And Lord, just the fact that you do hear and answer specific prayers in your name we pray. Amen. And the rest of us, let's... How many... Uh, does everybody have an outline that needs one? And uh, what we're going to do tonight is uh, I, I was looking at my notes. I could go on with this how to study the Bible for until Jesus comes back, giving different examples and things. But uh, tonight, uh, next, uh, I wanted to just give a summary of everything that we have gone over. We won't be able to give full examples here, but... Uh, next Sunday night, uh, actually, Brother John Wilkerson, some of you will remember him from uh, uh, Long Beach, California. He'll be preaching the evening service, and that's because uh, I and several other preachers will be on our way to Heartland for graduation week. And so, uh, praise the Lord for the opportunity uh, to, to be at Heartland and enjoy uh, the time there, but that means time away from here. And so... Uh, uh, just ask that uh, you would keep us all in prayer, and then probably we'll have Andrew here one Sunday night, so we'll probably want to get him preaching at least once, and uh, and then uh, we'll be uh, having Brother Copes the following Sunday all day, and so, I mean, it's just going to be one of those, by the time we got back to this Bible study, nobody would remember where they were anyway, so tonight... We're just going to try to cap this thing out and 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 uh, go um, over. This is like our tenth lesson, actually. And studying the Bible is something that you must do on your own if you're ever going to learn how to do it. Now, you can take the easy way out if you want. I don't recommend it. Uh, you will not learn as much if you do that. that. How you do that is you just go get somebody else's book and read it. And, and they've done all the work and they'll tell you exactly what you need to know or better put exactly what they think you need to know. Uh, and that truly limits the work that the Holy Spirit is able to accomplish or wants to accomplish in your life. And uh, one of the reasons why uh, we pass out a lot of outlines and things is because uh, I want you to go, be able to go home and look at the passage and make sure that it's not just something the preacher found, uh, that you can find those things as well. And uh, it's really something that I pray will be a help. We do not want people just coming to church because you're supposed to be here. Uh, there's a purpose in coming to church. You should be learning things. And not just only what is being taught, but you should be learning how to study and, and teach yourself God's Word. Uh, if the only time you ate was on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Thursday night, and those were the only meals you ate during the week, would you be a very healthy person? No. But spiritually speaking, if the only time that you hear and study and, and learn from the Bible 
is on Sundays and on Thursdays, you're not going to be in the best of spiritual condition. It is something that you need to work on. And uh, we'll just dive in here. And of course, uh, the only thing I hate about summaries is we're going to be referencing dozens and dozens of verses without actually opening our Bibles and looking at the individual verses. Because if we did, uh, we'd be here all night just trying to get through the introduction. But one verse I do want you to make sure, or a verse that you should know, and then let's go to Second Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And if, if we do not have the proper attitude toward the Word of God, we're never going to end up where we are supposed to. And this is where we start, verse 16 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, that little word, all Scripture, all, every verse is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever read a passage of the Bible and said, oh my, here we are, back in Leviticus. Here we are in Numbers again. Oh my, it's the book of Luke. We've got to read through all that whole chapter of so-and-so begat so-and-so who was begotten of so-and-so who was... And we read these things and we get like tired of the Word of God. Anybody been there? And we need to remember something. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Every word that's in your Bible, a golden spoon of ten shekels, or, yeah, ten shekels weight and full of incense and, and the silver charger and this and repeated over and over and over again. You say, why did God put that in there? Well, part of it I can't answer. I mean, if it were up to me, I would love to just put in there. And all the 12 tribes did the same thing. But you know what? God doesn't do that. He repeats word for word 12 times in the Scripture. Just one little thought for you. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just treat us all as one group of people? He treats every one of us as individuals. He is not going to just kind of uh, smudge over the records or flip through the pages. God is a very careful God. The actual words of this book, God put there for your benefit. And... You've probably heard me say this many a times, but those long lists of names that are in your Bible, the ones that you get tired of reading and you can't pronounce anybody's name on the list, 
and you're sitting there trying to figure, what is all of this about? Well, let me tell you, those that call themselves scholars, when they try to prove the Bible is not the Word of God, do you know where they go? To those lists of names. And then they go to historical records. And they say, see, there was nobody living here that had the same names as they do in the Bible at the same time. Oh, here's a name that's in the Bible. Oh, here's another one. And we have found (coughs) the central library for the Assyrian Empire. And they list their kings. You know what? Nobody can read the Assyrians' list of Assyrian kings. They have no idea what's being said. But we can open up our Bible and read the names of different Assyrian kings in different times, and everybody knows exactly who they're talking about. Isn't that interesting? You see, don't get tired of the Word of God. God put every word here. He preserved it in our King James Bible. And I cannot tell you uh, what a blessing it is to be an English as my first language person. Because most other languages do not have an equivalent. Brother uh, Monette, many of you remember Brother Mario Monette from Montreal, Canada. They have just, he and several other preachers have just finished revising the New Testament of a 1700 or so translation in French, trying to get a French equivalent of the King James Bible. And our church, just so you know, we had the privilege of giving $300 toward the publishing of that Bible, having a part. And yet, Brother Monette would be the first one to tell you, it's still not what the King James is in English. He said, but we're trying. We're, we're at least going to do the best that we can. And it is a complex work. If you speak Spanish, there's, there's been much uh, uh, argument and frustration about Spanish translations here over the last several years. Um, in Portuguese... Brother Shaw said, he said, there's just not a good Bible in Portuguese. It's just not there. Uh, He says, we do the best we can. Don't neglect what God has given you. The Korean Bible is is a travesty. Uh, There was a group of preachers that tried to Now, I don't know how in the world you would try this, but they tried to anglicize the Korean Bible. Uh, What that means is they took the words and the mechanics of the English Bible and tried to put it in Korean. And what they got was a mess. Uh, Because you can't do that. Each language must stand on its own. It has its own flow. uh, uh, We would say you have a frog in your throat. Brother Monette said in French, you would actually say you have a cat in your throat. 
I'm glad I speak English. A frog's a whole lot easier to get rid of than a cat. Amen? But, I mean, the simple thing is there's just such a complete different understanding. I don't know why we have been so blessed, but in English, we've got a Bible that you can trust every word of. But you know what the easiest thing to do is? Ignore it. We've got to spend time. You're not going to study the Bible if you don't spend time in it. You've got to read it. But reading is not studying your Bible. Just keeping up with your daily Bible reading schedule is not Bible study. The reason why you must read the Bible on a regular basis and read through the Bible on a regular basis is so that you can familiarize yourself with the entire Bible so that as you're reading in other places, the Holy Spirit will have freedom to guide your mind and your heart in comparing Scripture with Scripture. If you're not familiar with the entire Bible, you're not going to do that if you don't do it you're missing about 80% of what God has for you for Bible study. Now, you little guys here in the front, I want you to do something. You're just barely reading. Now, what you got to do is fill your mind and heart with this book. And when you get to be a teenager, you'll find that you know more about the Bible than some adults do. And don't be smart, Alecky. Study the Bible. Some of you remember Peter. I caught him. He was, are you making that noise? Let's stop. All right, Philip. But I caught Peter asking people in the church questions he knew the answers to, hoping that they didn't. And he was just a little boy. I think he was only 10 or 12 at the time. And uh, Dad put a quick end to that. But the simple truth of the matter is, You're going to have to fill your life with this book so that you can study it. If you've ever met anyone who has studied any specific subject, their life is full of it. They talk about it all the time. And what we need to do, this is the attitude, all scripture, this is God's instruction The goal of understanding the Bible is not so that you can be the smartest person in the room. It's not so that you can parry and thrust and argue the Jehovah's Witnesses into the sewer grates or the Mormons or anybody else that you meet. That is not the goal of Bible study. The goal of studying this book is personal obedience to what's in it. Amen? And if you have any other goal, you're going to get into trouble. So, by the way, can you understand this book without the Holy Spirit helping you understand it? Absolutely not. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You have got to get God's Word in your heart. You've got to put yourself under the influence of the Holy Spirit. But there is some work that you're going to have to do if you're going to study the Bible. First, you've got to get the right attitude. Then, you've got to get to work. Defining words. 
word definition can be such a hindrance to understanding your Bible. Why? Because words change meanings over time. That's why the best way to define the words, get a Strong's Concordance. If, if you don't have one, I think, I'm pretty sure you can go onto our website and download an electronic Bible with the Strong's Concordance attached to it. I'm almost positive you can do that. And, and if you don't know where, see Peter when he gets back. If you have a computer, you can get a free program that, that will do some of this stuff for you. You can buy the Strong's Concordance in the bookstore. I think it's only about $18 or so. Uh, if you go anywhere else, they're $25, $30. We try to keep the prices as low as we possibly can. Listen, you've got to let the Bible define the words. The classic one is the word wine. Look it up in any dictionary, and it will tell you alcoholic beverage. Yet, Jesus did not drink alcohol. He did not promote alcoholic consumption in any way. That is a 12, 14-week study of your Bible to get there. But the truth of the matter is, how many of you know what a wine press is? That's where they press the grapes to make the wine. What comes out of a wine press? Grape juice. Oh, but wait a minute. They're going to make wine out of it. Oh, yes. But what does Welch's do when it makes grape juice? What do they use? They use a wine press. <laughs> Same thing that everybody else uses. In fact, a hundred years ago in Italy, I have a book or a copy of one of, of an author who talked about Italy was famous at the turn of the previous century for its non-alcoholic wines. They called them sweet wines. You know what they were? Grape juice. And the truth of the matter is, if you don't define words properly, you're going to end up at the wrong place. Let the Bible define the words. Then you have to examine the sentence structure. You said, but I hate English. Too bad. You've got to know your grammar or you're never going to understand your Bible. Then you've got to put it in its context. You check the sentence, the surrounding verses. Then you can go to the entire book and then you must make it fit in the context of the entire Bible. How many of you remember Psalm chapter 12 where it says, Thou shalt preserve them as silver tried in a furnace of earth seven times. You have to understand the historical and the cultural setting of what a furnace of earth was and how it was used. Otherwise, you're going to miss the entire point. A furnace was used to refine gold, not silver. Because silver wasn't worth enough to build a furnace to refine it. Yet, when you refine metal in a furnace, nothing was lost. That's what God was saying. He said, my word is preserved. My very words, nothing is lost. 
If you put seven ounces of silver into a furnace to purify it, what do you get out? Seven ounces of silver. You don't lose something. If you were purifying it without a furnace, you would lose a certain percentage of what you were purifying every time because of interference with oxygen in the atmosphere and just the process. So as we understand our Bible, we've got to define the words, we've got to examine the sentence structure, we've got to follow the action, we've got to put it back together again, we've got to understand the surrounding verses, chapters, book, entire Bible. Then we need to start being concerned about special types. Is this a simile? Is God saying this is like this? Is it a metaphor? Is, or or uh, what we would call a personification, where wisdom is being compared to a person or treated as a person in Proverbs chapter 8. Somebody said, well, that's talking about Jesus Christ, but uh, I'm not, uh, it's talking about wisdom. And wisdom is treated as a person, types and pictures. How much of an understanding would you lack about how God wants you to pray if you did not understand the Old Testament tabernacle? Let me tell you, you're missing out on a lot. We have pictures. Jonah was a picture of salvation. He was the sign given. We have prophecy. Nearly a third of our Bible was prophecy when it was given. And I love the parable. It confuses the confused and gives wisdom and understanding to those who desire to have it. Only Jesus could use the parable. Many have attempted, but nobody comes close. And then we come to the application. Remember, you have to do all of this work, this labor, so that you can understand what the Bible is telling you to do. Never lose sight of that. God wants you to know what He wants you to do. This is comparing Scripture with Scripture, you must make sure that your understanding of passage A does not contradict any other passage in the Bible. Always work from simple to complex. Do not go to a difficult passage of the Bible like Hebrews chapter 6 and then go back to John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I give unto you eternal life and they shall never perish. How can you get more simple than that? You go the other way. You start in John chapter 10. And when we get to Hebrews chapter 6, that helps us understand that you cannot lose your salvation. But if you could, you're never going to get it back because Jesus is not going to die on the cross a second time. He died once. For, for all. Forever. Amen. 
And this application is, we have to know that even though we may lose sight of part of our faith, we may fall away for a period of time in our life, but God never lets go of us. It's time to get serious about living the salvation that God has given you. Amen? Check yourself out. My kids just finished standardized testing. And I keep trying to tell them, listen, all of the answers are on the test. If you don't know what you're doing, just start plugging the answers in until you get one that works. It'll be the right answer. Especially in math, check your work. How many of you ever took time to check your work in math? Uh, if you don't, you get in trouble now, don't you? You have to be able to work it backwards and forwards. You know what? Check your work with the scriptures. I can't tell you how many wonderful sermons have ended up in the garbage can. Because I began to check my work and I found out that I had a great idea. It really had a flow to it and I'm... Sitting there, boy, I could preach this. Only problem is it doesn't fit the scripture. Because I don't want to preach my ideas. I want to preach what the Bible says. Amen. The hardest thing in the world. How many of you would join me and say, I've got issues with time management. Would anybody be willing to raise their hand and say, uh, my schedule could use some help? Let me tell you something. It takes time to study the Bible. And one of the most frustrating things, it takes time to get the cobwebs out of your brain so that you can even sit down and begin to study your Bible. It's not just, okay, let's see, I'm going to Home Depot and I need cement and I need this and I need that and I need this. Okay, time to study my Bible. Okay, here we go. doesn't work that way. It takes time and effort. One of the lost arts is meditation on God's Word. Most, many of us grew up in the late 60s, early 70s, that meditation, it meant smoking a joint and thinking about nothing. Now, that's not meditation. But that's what people think it is. Cross your legs and go, hmm, that's not meditation. Meditation is filling your mind with Scripture over and over again. One of the things I like to do if I can is I'll take my MP3 Bible, it's on my phone, and I'll put my headphones in and I'll set it on one chapter and repeat and just go over it again and again and again and again. Why? Because unless you get the Word of God in here, it's never going to get down to here. It, it takes effort. It takes time. It, it is a lot of work. 
And then you have to check your work. Does my understanding of the passage agree with the rest of the Bible? If it doesn't, get your understanding fixed. Is my understanding of this passage, does it clarify or make it easier for me to be obedient to God? If your understanding is not helping your obedience, I challenge you, your Bible study has got real problems. That's why I don't study my Bible to try to find out whether Adam and Eve had belly buttons uh, and whether uh, who the sons of God were in Genesis chapter 6 and how many angels can dance on the head of a pin and the identity of the Antichrist or the two uh, prophets in Revelation I have no time nor desire for that kind of Bible study. I don't want to learn some great hidden secret that I'm the only one that's ever smart enough to figure it out. The Bible says it's not of any private interpretation. If you're the only one that knows it, you're wrong. Uh, That's just the way it is. Is my study of the Scripture helping my obedience. If it's not, get your Bible study fixed because it's not working the way God wants it to. Does my understanding of the Bible need help from outside of the Bible? Boy, that's a tough question because if it does, you're in trouble. That's where the Jehovah's Witnesses come from and every cult and malt that's out there Uh, they're always looking for somebody else's books. It's one of the reasons why uh, I have commentaries, I use them. But you know what? I want to go to the Bible first and get an outline, get an understanding, and then go to the commentaries and see if anybody else is barking up the same tree I am. Not the other way around. That's Commentaries need to use, be used sparingly. Does my understanding... Now, this is a hard one here. Does my understanding, point four here, agree with others who have right doctrine? Now, what I mean by that is our church as far as humanly possible, has right doctrine. But you know what? There are questions that no one can answer about certain things. I mean, there are some things about the Lord's coming, when Jesus is coming back and all of this. We just don't have answers for. Now listen... What I'm going to do is I am going to stick with preachers who are right about everything else. I'm not going to go wandering off because there's always somebody finding some new thing out there. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick with preachers who already know what's right. And you know what I'm going to find out? I'm going to find out that we're going to study the Bible. And I'm, I'm sorry, let me get this back here. 
is as I come to places that I can't answer, I'm going to find out that I don't need all the answers. What I need to do is keep serving the Lord. And the Bible tells us to follow them that have been an example for us. That's one of the reasons why I like to have men like Brother Clayton and Brother Marshall in to preach for us. These are men that have lived their lives and have served the Lord. And what we're trying to do here is we're trying to keep right. You see, about 20 years ago, I guess it is, maybe a little more, Rick Warren wrote his book, The Purpose Driven Life. Now, I promise you, if you were to read that book, most of us in this room would have a very difficult time finding anything wrong with Rick Warren's book. But every preacher that has adapted the philosophy of ministry from that book has all gone worldly in their Christianity. Therefore, I'm not going to read Rick Warren's book. I have no desire to go where those people are. That type of Christianity is not in the Bible. And by the way, I can find lots of things wrong with Rick Warren's book. But last time I checked, it's not my, uh, it's not my main obligation to teach against Rick Warren as much as it is to teach what the Bible says. But as a pastor, I have a responsibility to warn you to stay away from things like this because they're going to lead you in a direction that God does not want you to go. There's, uh, there's a lot of preachers out there that have material. I have worked diligently as your pastor to keep you away from what, what has been called what I like to call Baptist popes. Uh, they are preachers that like to tell everybody else what to do and how to do it. And um, I just have no desire. Uh, every once in a while, you'll meet somebody and they'll start saying, Well, do you know about Dr. So-and-so? And uh, just throw out a few names. Dr. Jack Hiles, Dr. Peter Ruckman, Dr. Bob Gray from Texas. These are certain men that have put themselves up into a position where they want men to follow him. We have Dr. Sexton has, in Powell, Tennessee has stepped into this area to a certain degree. And it's not that I'm trying to criticize these men. They all have ministries far greater than we will ever have at our church. That's not the idea. But I've heard far too many preachers say, well, I got my Bible and Hiles church manual and we got that thing done. Uh, I don't need anything with my Bible to figure out how to serve the Lord. I don't want somebody else's book because I've seen where that stuff leads. I've gotten in far too many arguments with far too many people who aren't serving the Lord because they got somebody else's set of books on their shelf rather than this book called the Bible. And what we want to do is if we're going to study the Bible, 
We want to study the Bible. We want to serve the Lord together as a church. And we, we don't do everything the way they do at Hiles Anderson College, do we? And, uh, um, or at Heartland Baptist Bible College or at any college. Because we're not here to follow them. We're here to serve Jesus Christ as his local church right here in Astoria, Queens. Amen. And the idea of studying my Bible. Listen, I don't need help from outside the Bible to understand the Bible. And the other thing is, if I'm studying something and I'm learning something and all of a sudden I find myself agreeing with the purpose-driven crowd, guess what? I know I'm heading in the wrong direction. If I find myself going over here and getting in with a crowd that is not serving the Lord the way the Bible says, guess what? I'm being influenced. And we're all influenced in ways that we're not even aware of at times. That's why it's so important to simply stay with the Word of God. And so, uh, you're going to have to spend some time. You're going to have to sweat a little. But that's okay. It's good to exercise yourself unto godliness. Amen? And so, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your love to us. We ask that you would just help us to be faithful to you and to your word. And Lord, I pray that the things that were said tonight would be taken in the attitude and the spirit in which they were intended. We're, we're not trying to cut down anybody here, Lord, but we do not want to be followers of men. We want to be followers of you and your word. Bless us that we may bless you by being obedient to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll give you a few minutes if you'd like to just slip out.